This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Technology glitch over. <laughs> Talk about giving myself anxiety when I'm trying to help people quell their anxiety. Welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran, host of the podcast that you're listening to. <laughs> Clearly haven't prepared for this one. And author of Owning It and the Confidence Kit and Naked. Uh, I'm so excited to be joined today by a dear friend, someone who always makes me feel like when I spend time with her, it's like I've come home. And that is Robin Byrne, my makeup artist extraordinaire and just soul sister really so Robin welcome thanks so much for having me Caroline it's such an honor to be on this podcast I I feel like you're already gonna cry (laughs) I am I'm already emotional (laughs) so I do apologize to everyone listening it might be a tear fest that's okay grab the tissues speaking of we don't even have tissues so we have to just wipe it in our sleeves yeah or my my couch is grand yeah grand (laughs) um so just to give people some context um I haven't even told them what we're talking about yet I wanted to explore the topic of grief and how it relates to anxiety because it's something I've never experienced to the extent that you have and you have had your first year of being plunged into grief like you've never experienced before since your mom passed um coming up on a year almost so you very kindly um allowed me into that space to talk about it and I know it's going to be difficult and I really appreciate it because I think a lot of people well, it's just grief touches everyone at some point in their lives. But before we get into it, um, let's just give a little background into who you are and how we know each other, if if that's okay. Yeah, of course. So um, we actually met in when I was pregnant in 2018. 
I had done your friend Aileen Murphy's wedding makeup and then you asked me what I do. We actually met years before Well, years that. before that, but, but we that, was, that was our connection, yeah, 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 I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when we were like, we're going to be best friends <laughs> I'm like, did she just forget several years? No, but I, sorry, we met, like as in... We we crossed paths, but we didn't like have our... Yeah, we I didn't really know much yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. you, just yeah. only you were the girls, your group yeah. of girls' friends, because I knew them from years and years ago. So um, I remember, though, specifically, um, you would ask me then to do the makeup for your first Life cover magazine, I think. Yeah. And then at that, that was the May, and then you were getting married in the September, and you asked me to do your wedding makeup. And I think then we, through all of the... I think when I do makeup for someone and I get to chat mm-hmm. loads that I end up, that that was what really I think made our friendship yeah. because you have to allow a good two hour session for makeup for you for two all the hours. chats. <laughs> I'd be like, Caroline's in nobody else today. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk anymore and I can't do any more makeup. Um, no, but I think it was probably, that's why I say 2018 because I'm like, that's when for me, yeah. when I really got to know you and I also felt that Although you were able to talk to me as my client, essentially, I was able to talk to you uh-huh. um, and you probably know more about me than some of my nearest and dearest, really. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I've just done your makeup. I remember doing it for the Late Late Show. And like, I always feel like we had such a good connection because I was kind of with you when you were nervous yeah, for things, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, so I feel like... I was on the late late show, which uh, obviously I wasn't. Yeah. But I feel like I've experienced. I got to experience those things. I got to experience your pregnancy, your parts yeah. with you, um, your friends' weddings. You know, just like um, all those like nice bits. And you were very, very, very kind to me when my mom was very sick and when my mom did pass. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. And then I'm a makeup artist, obviously, for anyone. Um, she's available listening I mean I don't like promoting you too much because then you're never feckin available when I yeah. need you but uh, you are you are incredibly good now most of my listenership is in the UK so unless you're going to start flying over there oh um, yeah if they'll have me yeah. if they'll have me um, but you are like obviously your skill set is, is phenomenal but but for this podcast um, we're going into the kind of human level um, which actually it's it's funny it's like getting taxis and getting your makeup done they're kind of similar in the, the, the window of therapy that kind of yeah. opens up like you'll tell yeah it's such an intimate experience and like you say it's often happening if, it, if it's someone who's got a bit of a profile or, or or not even with a wedding it's kind of on the cusp of those big moments in life where there's maybe a bit of anxiety a bit of nerves and it's the one person who can kind of see it and feel it and ground you in those moments before you go on and do something that might scare you so it's actually a very um it's very therapeutic very I think, therapeutic for people yeah and, and it's not just about getting your makeup done like it's actually setting you up for it's like the armor on the face is the confidence from within as well. Um, I was just about to say, like you haven't wrote the book, you know, on on confidence. It it a face of makeup gives you that, yeah. but then also, but imagine you had gone and gotten your makeup done off someone who was silent. Oh yeah, no. and yeah, you might have a full face makeup, but they didn't also instill verbally exactly how you know how good you look or how great you should feel now like and I always as a trainer actually I used to say that to people when you're doing makeup like one it's not about you so that's my number one I always used to teach people say it's not about you it's about the person in the chair and you need they need to walk away looking amazing but first and foremost feeling amazing yeah it's fuck all if you've oh my that's all right um if you've a fab smoky eye but the person was an arsehole. I know, you know, we got closer and closer as your mom was unwell and 
uh, I feel like I only ever met your mom one well as well. And she was very kind yeah. and she made these little little guardian angels. Yeah. And, and she gave one to me when I came out to you one day to get the makeup done. I still have it. And I just was always so touched by it. And it's something I could never part with, even though I didn't know her very well. The gesture meant so much that, you know, she would... And I think she gave it to me for good luck before I went on the late late or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what it was yeah. for, yeah. Um, and just a very kind soul. And look, this is not a story of the crazy tr- tragedy of, you know, mad thing that happened. This is normal life where someone passed, but it's 100%. excruciating for the person going through it. And I really wanted to just unpack anxiety and grief together because it wasn't until I spoke to you after your mom passed um, and she died of, of cancer that realized that anxiety was a part of it because when we I in a recent episode we talked about the window of tolerance which we're all born with and we you know it's it's the box in which we can cope with certain adversity and stress and you either pop out of it in one way which makes you it's hyper arousal which is more anxiety and then the other way is when you go underneath it's lower it's hypo arousal more like depression and lowness and I always would have thought with grief you're just going to go under and you're Mm. just going to feel low but you kind of oscillated, it kind of came together, grief or, or sadness and lowness and anxiety. Was it, was the anxiety something you expected? No, and I think that's a re, like, the, the, actually the most important point to make of grief is that, and especially it's good that you knew me pre-grief because I was never an anxious person, ever. Um, I never under really understood anxiety. Um, I've listened to your podcast. I've listened to other podcasts, but on a personal level, I never really did. And then after my mom passed and, and the grief just taking hold, I have experienced debilitating anxiety where I can't leave the house. Like, and I never expected it. No, that to answer your question, no, never ever. I never. I'd always be like, I'm not an anxious person. That's mad. The people like. You know, I used to, I, I found it fascinating and I had empathy for it, but I never, I just never put myself in that category because I just, I just didn't have it. And no, it's become, it's definitely heightened. I worry, my worry level is just through the roof because when you know what can happen in normal life that you never thought would happen, well, it's just your worry every day then. Okay. Like when I get in my car, I'm like, like my thought process is like oh my god like what if like we had an accident today mm. or like is my phone charged so like if anything happened just anxieties that I never I never thought I would have like I go in and I check to see if Avery's breathing in her sleep now mm. like you know you do that when they're babies yeah. like she's my you know my my child is four now I um I don't trust anyone else um driving Avery in the car um, I'm really, I'm really worried about like cancerous foods now. I've just got anxieties that I never had before. And when did that start? Was it almost immediately when she passed? No, I think sadness, sadness came first. Sadness and then just that, it, it, it kind of feels like it went black. Mm. It went, it just went dark. Um, There was like no... I had no anxieties because I didn't feel anything. I I just felt sad and numb. Um, And then probably like kind of 
when because with grief like you in your mind me and me and my sister always talked about like oh like we'll sit around for months on our couch being sad watching sad movies eating ice cream but life doesn't allow for that so you have to like I mean I went back to work parent as well I was gonna say like you know my mom died before Christmas so we had like two or kind of three weeks where everyone was at home anyway um and then Avery had to go back to school and Scott had to go back to work and I had to get up and bring her and um I had to go back to work very soon because of the type of work that I do people's weddings were booked in um I I actually remember like that my first wedding was back the first of February and I had to get my dad to drive me in because I was like I can't I'm so anxious about being around these happy people this is a fabulous day for this woman Mm. this is so far the happiest day probably of her life and it's so jarring with where you're coming from completely completely so um yeah it's yeah it 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 didn't come straight away I'd say probably a couple of months later and then now I I suffer what really so it's really strange I have this really bad anxiety which I'm actually starting therapy for next week I don't trust anyone else driving my driving in the car okay so I have this really strange anxiety where like me and Scott my partner have like literally killed each other over because like if he like takes a turn ever so slightly wrong I'm like you're gonna kill us mm-hmm. and I'm like I have I have this anxiety around death for everyone I love so I'm like don't do this anymore I won't go and do things that I would have done before I'm afraid to start Avery and different mm-hmm. activities with the you fear. You just want to protect everything after such a like so much of anxiety is fearing things that haven't happened or might not happen or are future exactly, oriented yeah. but then almost having your fears realized by losing the person most dearest to you then it's no longer an out there catastrophizing worry it's actually reality so now you're looking at the rest of your life through that lens of well you can't say it's not impossible to happen 100% like I think especially when somebody is terminally ill so like for a bit of background you know my mom was diagnosed in the October of 2018 by 2019 we had fundraised and sent her to Germany because the the hospitals here couldn't do anything more for her but when she came back from Germany we had this glimmer of hope that Mm -hmm. like oh like she might she she was never going to beat it because it there was no cure but she was definitely going to have more years and then she kind of got a year and then after that year into 2021 from the January like she just went downhill but there's something terrifying living your day-to-day knowing what the outcome is going to be like no matter how no matter how great the day is it's bittersweet because you know you know what's going to happen um so I'm like even when things are great it's like oh, I can't fully enjoy this because I'm so anxious of like but will this be the last time we do this what mm. if this is the last time like I find everything so triggering now even the good things mm. and I suppose that's something in grief I never saw coming I never thought I would be afraid of happiness yeah you know I, I didn't think I'd ever be afraid of enjoying things because you enjoy it and you come home and you sit down and go, that was such a great day. Then I'm like, 
what is silently that? Yeah. in my head. I'm like, oh my God, what is that like the last time? Because I lived for a year, every, especially when you have a, you have a young child, you know yourself, they do things for the first time. And then I was like, oh, is this going to be the last first that you experience with us mm. in speaking of my mom? You know, we'd have been in the hospice and Avery would do something really funny. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is this could be the last first you see. So I I suppose I haven't dealt with that anxiety head on because now that lives in my life day to day now, you know, and yeah. it can be really crippling. Like it really genuinely can. It can be part of grief that I I've never heard anyone talk about so there's a I did I think I did a podcast on this I've done so many now I forget (laughs) but cherophobia this is reminding me of two other conversations of cherophobia is like an anxiety around happiness where like you feel like well typically it's more that you're you feel not deserving of it or something is going to go wrong like you can't it's almost more frightening to let yourself go into happiness because you're safer being on the lookout and being on edge and that's what you're yeah, familiar that with. That's what you get to know. Like your discomfort zone has become your comfort zone. That makes a lot of sense. And then there's also this element of bittersweetness, which is some people just live their lives this way where um, it's hard for people to, I did this interview with Susan Cain, um, it's hard for people to experience mo- moments of like, heightened joy without there being a flip side of like oh this this is going to pass and I certainly feel that with you know with my son if I'm having a really happy moment with him like I very quickly go into being sad that it's he's not going to be that age for long or it's going to pass and I wonder does grief sort of push you into that bittersweet state of being where you've such profound appreciation for the good moments but they're wrapped in a little sad blanket of the you're facing the, the fear of our finitude you know that everything has a everything's going to come and go we're all we're all going to experience lasts you know we're, we're technically all always living knowing that it's going to end it's just when you have a date on it or a time frame on it or you know it's going to be within the year I mean I can't imagine like the anxiety that preceded coming up to that date like how how did it feel? How did it differ? The anxiety leading up to knowing this big day is coming where she's not going to be here anymore versus the anxiety when she did pass. That's um, such a good question. So I think the lead up to knowing she was going to pass was like in one sense easier because my mom never really played the patient mm-hmm. so she and I, I don't mean that in a in a disrespectful way to people who are who are but she she didn't want your sympathy no she she, oh want- no never not a day where she she wanted sympathy we never talked it's, it's one regret actually I have but I don't think she would have mm-hmm. we never ever had the talk of like I'm dying okay we never ever did I wish we did because I have questions. You don't know how she was, if she was frightened herself. Yeah, yeah. Like I know, I know towards the end, those last three weeks, she was terrified. And how she actually dealt with that was, she just asked to be (laughs) drugged up to the eyeballs Mm -hmm. because she wanted to not feel every inch of that. And that was, the doctor saw this, that was, it was for pain, but that was for emotional reasons. Um, And the emotional pain was causing her 
extreme physical pain so um I think leading up to it as well you're 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 it's all about time so you're like you're, you're trying to spend so much time with the person and you're you're going from your job to the hospice looking after your child that you're nearly busier because you also have to look after the person yeah so the anxiety is probably lessened there's not much space like, in your there's head there's not much space in your head because you're so like focused on that person because they're still here yeah. so you're like I remember being like so busy and being like right so I'm in work till six I'm gonna leave work grab Avery head to the hospital stay there till 10 or 11 at night drive home half asleep get into bed and then repeat you know the, or if she needed anything brought up fly to the shop and get that tomorrow and you're just you're so busy um mm. and because she she was such a, a full person like in her mind really up until the last three weeks it, I suppose she never let us go down that road of like I remember I do remember the moment I've never I've never ever in at the time 29 years ever taken a panic panic attack until one day evening I was in the hospice and I came home and I don't know what it was this was maybe a day or two before she actually passed and it hit me I came home that she was going to that pass. she was going to pass and I, I don't think I ever really allowed myself to feel it and I'll never ever as long as I live forget this day coming home and Scott was like, you know, go up and get a shower, freshen yourself up. Because this was kind of when we were living in the hospice. So mm. he's like, oh, shower, freshen up and then have a, you know, get to bed. And I remember being unable to breathe, like physically being unable to breathe. Um, and I just, I knew, I, I just, I don't know what it was that day. I remember being in my bedroom and it being really dark and just the bathroom light being on and literally being on the floor having this panic attack and Scott was like trying to calm me down, trying to help me to breathe and I was just like, she's going, like I know she's going. Um, And then I think she died two days after that but I that was when I allowed whatever in my brain happened, I knew then. And then after she passed, like the you know the the feeling is so different because it's it's just you've got all this time. You went from looking after a person for three years, and I also spent a lot of time with my ta- my mom pre cancer. We were best, best friends. friends. Like me and my mom, my sister were best friends. You know, my mom reared Avery. You know, every day we lived with her. So you went from having like it's like you know like. I suppose kind of like you know when your kids start going to school mm-hmm. and if parents are kind of stay at home they're like shit I've got all this time like and they're like I don't know what to be doing with myself it's kind of the same thing we got all this time but I didn't want to do anything with it mm. I wanted to just like I get really angry when I'm fighting with Scott and I, I he won't mind me telling this but part of the anxiety is definitely like when we're arguing I'm like you know, I didn't get to grieve. I didn't get to lie on my couch. I had to go to work. I I didn't get to be sad for long. And I'm like, after I come out, I'm like, what do I, what did I even mean by that? Mm. In that argument, what did I mean by I didn't get to grieve? I'm doing it right now. But I think pre-anxiety made me feel like I was going to get to at least 
lie around all day and just be sad. Do you think that would have helped? Mm. Or maybe not help, but is it what you needed? Um, I think some days I need it. I like I I've gotten better at like when times are quiet for me. I'm real like if I'm not working, I'm failing. So mm. I'm trying not to be like that. So like sit with the feeling. Sit with the feeling. Like yesterday, I had like two hours free, and I sat watching an episode of Grey's Anatomy and cried my mm. heart out. Um, on this very couch <laughs> and I just needed it like and I felt better for it and then I collected my little one and we went to the farm and you know and I was able to then be in the moment with her but when I don't have when I don't cry you, then well, it's I'm such a stress you know, reliever I mean you're literally relieving the cortisol from your body Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I think we have such a fucked up... Um perception of crying as weakness and even in society like the the I remember um blind boy saying this to me like this past the tissues sort of behavior of I'm not comfortable with your discomfort so let's try and wrap this up when actually it is the most important release you could give yourself and that's another thing I want to ask you about is other people's I think as a society, we're very uncomfortable with each other's discomfort. And I think we've spoken about, you know, people in your life maybe withdrawing from you at that time. And I mean, I'm sure that can only add to anxiety because that's a time when you need connection. And I think such a big antidote to anxiety is that human connection. It's knowing that you're not alone and that you're not alone in how you're feeling. But I think there's a problem there where people are like, oh, I, I wouldn't want to bother her. I wouldn't know what to say. And really they're they're saying I wouldn't want to make you uncomfortable but they don't want to feel uncomfortable themselves yeah and I think that there's a we we kind of maybe you as the person grieving have this expectation of how grieving should look or how you should 
behave or how you should how how a grieving person should be living but people also have this idea of how someone should be supportive and like oh I you know going in with the right things to say and it's just about I don't know whether I just like I maybe because of the conversations I've had I'm more aware that it's really just about holding space for someone and not trying to like I mean there's I can imagine the last thing you want to be told is to look on the bright side or any of that bullshit it's just space to feel seen and heard and be your most you know ugly cry yeah you know whatever <laughs> you need to be self yeah um was that part of the anxiety the the social implication of grief yeah massively so I think for me and my sister and I don't know if it's our age as well so I feel like if you were like in your you know in your 50s do you ever notice like our parents like they have like kind of small yeah. small groups of friends whereas when you're in your 20s and your 30s you're surrounded by these groups of 11 12 15 girls and you've that group of friends there and the other ones from school and you're just surrounded by by this mm-hmm. ma- bigger society of yeah. people, and then you have social media at the fi- at your fingertips. So you've got the whole world there in your in your living room. Exactly, exactly. So you feel like you've got you you feel like you've got loads of people and loads of you know. And the thing is, is that for me in grief, and I say this all the time, and I say this not for it to be loaded. I say it as a genuine for anyone else who's grieving. And is feeling this way, but is afraid maybe to say because of society and what people will think or say. But you do lose so much more than the person who's gone. I never saw it coming. And it happened for me actually before I lost my mom. I wasn't the best person to be around by any means. When I look back on the, the, those kind of, from the time my mom went to Germany, we started fundraising for her to go to Germany to the time of her dying. Like I was a mess. I I was angry, I was bitter and twisted, you know, and I was probably grieving already mm-hmm. in some sense because I knew what was ahead of me. And some people just, I suppose, <laughs> to put it, like couldn't hack it. You know, some people, they were angry with me. Some people were uncomfortable. Um, there was so many different, a lot of different layers. Um, I came... I mean, you know, nearly a year grieving for my mom and I have, I don't want to say lost, but that is kind of the word. Like I, I've lost a lot of good friends that, and, and for me it was never, I never wanted people banging on my door and like, you know, arriving to just, casserole. with casserole, like, <laughs> yeah, like I was like, no, I've, I've enough chocolate in the press. <laughs> um, it was more space and, and feeling feeling seen is a massive part of it I wanted people me and my sister said you know you do this really strange thing in the first couple of months anyone you meet you kind of want to let them know yeah yeah, yeah. oh by the way my mom died like uh if, like four weeks ago because you're like I need you to know why I'm like the way I am and you need permission to be to, to yeah not you, have to perform yeah yeah 100 percent. and I think that's what happened for me I just wanted my friends to be like a text that they didn't need to physically be here but to know that we know that it's shit we know and I see you and I hear you and this is horrific but I I won't lie some people some people I suppose just weren't up to it um and I think as well some people and I say this on my own podcast 
on the last episode I actually spoke about you because I remember pre this wasn't in conversation about my mom but it's something you taught me and I actually try live it every day you know if a pinprick is the worst thing that's happened to you like then that's the worst thing that's happened to you and that's what's relevant to you that's your level of pain Mm -hmm. that's your level of understanding so I really do try to keep that in my mind but then there is the side of me that goes but my mom died yeah but that's like my like my mom died and you know some some people were people who you know my mom made guardian angels for or my mom let stay in her home or cooked a dinner for so I'm like you knew her as a human being so why you can't be present now I have to be honest I don't understand mm. um, and then some people reached out who weren't there while she was sick so like well we're living in a hospice I'm like you're not seeing this. No. You're not living this with me. And I I, I, I like to think that I would live it with you. Or or, or I with some yeah. people I did live it with you. And I, I was so hurt. And you know. I, I've made my peace with it definitely. That was a big part of grief that I dealt on my own. I really sat with the thought of. You know. Shredding. Shredding those people. Even though I didn't want to shred them. You just, it it yeah, happened organically. You have to do a, a call, almost. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's healthy. And maybe it's healthy for the other person is, you know, just as much as it is for me. Do you think that people think there is like some sort of inherent sell-by date on grief that, I mean, naturally everyone surrounds you in those while it's happening. I mean, you probably had a house full of people in those few days and then the dust settles for everyone else and they go back to work and they go back to their normal life and suddenly they're in in their head it's like oh yeah Robin oh yeah Robin lost her mom yeah I must check in with her and they just carry on with the rest of their lives and you only kind of begin to go into the grief then and then like weeks later you know you're you're only scratching the surface of the depths of what you're going to feel and everyone's kind of gone yeah that that's exactly it and you know what everyone kept saying you know what, there's going to be loads of people around. I remember the people in the hospice saying, you know, look, you're not actually going to remember these next two weeks mm. because there's going to be so many people, there's going to be so many bodies, there's going to be so many so many pieces of advice given to you. And then I remember having, I remember, and I, they won't mind me mentioning, my friends Michelle and Jess knocking up, but it was a good few, nearly like two weeks mm. or three weeks later, and they came up with them... Um, like amazing muffins and cakes and all. And I was like, oh, I needed this because it's gone really, really radio silent and I needed to see you as, and I didn't realise that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, But I mean, even now it's coming up to the year and I feel like I haven't even started. I'm only mm-hmm. starting therapy next Thursday because I'm like, oh, I need help now. I've done as much of it as I can on my own. And now I really need the help. And, you know, my sister was like, I feel like mom died like four weeks ago. Mm. And to other people, so much in their lives has happened in a year. Yeah. But for us, nothing really has happened other than grief. Does it frighten you to get further and further away from the time that she died? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because I say all the time when I'm in that convulsion of like dire crying pain in my stomach, I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to go back. 
and I repeat it over and over again. I, I want to go back to the hospice. Like I even want to go back to her being really sick. Just her presence. Even if she can't talk and we're like lying on that awful leather couch in the hospice. Not being able to sleep. I want to go back there. Because some strange way life felt fuller. Even though it was... you had a purpose? Had a purpose. Like life felt fuller and like I, I knew I was there to look after my mom. Uh, she was still in that in the state she was in helping me raise Avery there was you know she was still saying now you're gonna go out and work for yourself now and we were making plans in the hospice there was I don't I I as time goes on I feel lonelier mm. um and I don't I don't it's really weird I don't want to forget the sadness either yeah I don't want to like it's it's such a strange pull you're being pulled in both directions because you're trying to work through your grief in one way because you're like, I need to get to the other side of this pain because this is so debilitating that I don't want to do it anymore. But then you're like, but I don't want to forget the sadness because it feels like I'm going to forget you. So the grief is kind of like a life raft in itself? Completely, completely. And it's like, I don't want to like... I don't want to move on and you know the way you say oh that was a phase in my life you don't want it I don't want it to be a phase in my life like but then at the same time like I can't function as I am so the idea of you waking up one day and feeling completely at ease is almost <sighs> I think worse you don't want that no no I which is because what does that mean to you yeah because that means that like that that phase of my life is over. I don't want to be the person who's like, oh yeah, I lost my mom a few years ago because people talk like that. I know. And I, I don't want to be, I don't want, I, like I miss her so much. Like I don't want to be that far away from her. I know. Um, I really don't. I, I don't want to be that far away from her. I want to remember every inch of the pain. I know that's so strange, but I really do. I, as time goes on, you're like, oh no, like I, 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 Sometimes I sit in my sit in bed and I'm really bad sleep or sleep has been horrific. That's my that's that's mm-hmm. my trigger. Definitely is like I hate getting into bed because I can't sleep and because you have to lie there with your thoughts. Yeah. But then at times I'm like, I wanna lie there and mm-hmm. I try I close my eyes and I try picture like the weather of the day and the hospice and the feeling and the doctor that walked in that day and the conversations that were had because I want it to be fresh and I don't wanna forget it. You don't I, want it to dull. I don't want it to dull. Um, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, it's awful. I'm sorry. sorry <laughs> People are probably you... like, oh my God, no, she's cried a lot. Don't be, don't be sorry. But it's, 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 it's reality. And, you know, something you said at the very beginning of this episode is it isn't some great tragedy, you know, like I don't have yeah. this story to tell that, you know, we climbed Mount Everest and fell off. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like <laughs> that didn't happen I know. but the amount of people I've met through makeup that I speak to who will see on my Instagram that I lost my mom and then they come to me for an appointment and then they tell me their story this is normal life like and unfortunately it happened I think way too early in my life mm-hmm. so I think you know I this really sticks out in my head this year I met a mother of the bride for a trial um and we were talking and she said is this your house at your house and I said no this was my mom's house she said oh was your mom's house and I explained and she goes oh you know what my mom died when she was 87 and I couldn't get off my floor for three years I lost my career 
I nearly lost my marriage. And I was like, yeah, but your man was 87. Mm. Like, Doesn't matter. You know, like, I was like, I'm so envious of you. Yeah. Like, I was like, wanted to be like, you get off that. the floor. Yeah, you got that much time. You got, well, exactly what you said. It doesn't matter. It's about the relationship. Some people, you know, lose parents or people and they weren't close to them. So the pain isn't as, you know. I th- yeah, I think about it when, you know, when people lose grandparents and you're like, oh, yeah, but like they were like, they were really old. But actually, you were that much older to have had that many more years with them to develop that more of a relationship to feel that much more of a loss than exactly. for me to lose my grandparents at seven like I didn't really know I don't really I, yeah, I don't remember yeah. but you know and it's like if, if if our friends text me saying oh like my nana died and we're like oh that's really sad obviously a bit more empathetic than that but it's not like Jesus Christ your nana died yeah like it, oh I better get over there like now but it's like it's just the passing of I mean it's just the natural I think a milestone like, we all yeah, experience older, but like I always think it's even it must be even it's more for a grandparent anyway they've had that longer with you in their life and you've had that more relationship so just because they're 90 or something it's actually so much more to carry with you then yeah well like I mean I was reared in my mom's parents house yeah I didn't go to school like locally because I went to school by their house and my nana passed when I was 11 or 12 and I still grieve her I was so close to that woman like I still laugh about conversations me and her had you know I remember being after having Avery and being so upset that my nana wasn't there. <laughs> I remember Darcy being like, "Would you get a bleeding grip or something?" Like, do you know what I mean? Like, nana died. That like, was probably the hormones. You know, hormones as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah, just those crazy hormones that happen. But like, you know, what? That's the thing is that it's it's not based on the status of the like of the person, like as in their the age. It their, their age. It's the relationship. Yeah. You know, like it's and, and that's why I say I lose you lose more than the person. Like, I'm grieving my friendships. Like I grieve, and you hear people saying like, "Oh, I grieved, I grieved that relationship, or I grieved the life I thought I was gonna have." You know, when people yeah. can't have children, they grieve the life that they they thought they were gonna have. Like grief comes, and I understand now in a million different forms. Um, and I hope someday to help people in some other way, even doing this podcast, well, like you know, because I just know when I hear, when I listen, or read anything about it. I'm like, oh, I'm not crazy. No. This is real life and this is what happens. And I just think that, um, yeah, like it's, it's, I, I, I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget, you know, I don't, because I'm so young, like so much more can happen in my lifetime because mm. I always think about that. I'm like, I'm only 30. So like if I have another I won't but if I had like another two kids and moved house like like already you know we're sitting here my Christmas tree is up like my mom didn't see my Christmas tree last year so when we put that up the other day I was like I fucking hate that tree because mm. my mom never saw that tree that's something else now you know it's like but imagine big life things happening and them not knowing them not being here how do you feel now about the future like are you looking ahead in terms of like the next day or do you find yourself casting forward to years and 
does that bring about anxiety or do you do you find that if you keep it limited to like the next hour you can manage it more so I'm a really ambitious person which you'll know from when I'm doing your makeup I'm like I want to do this and I want to do that and um, I'm going to try unibrow today I'm going to try you. yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with green eyeliner and purple <laughs> lipstick I'm fab I promise um, <laughs> um, but no I so I, I am normally a, a year two years five year plan type of person and this year I actually had to have a word with myself and be like we're doing this week to week Robin because you at especially this time of year yes. during the summer I was more like I had all these ideas and plans and um like Dan who produces my podcast said to me you know like you've just got to you've got to start taking things a lot slower I know you want to the ambition in you is you know you want to build this big career and big life but at the minute like there's no career in life if if you're not functioning Mm -hmm. so I've I now do like I get my diary at the beginning of the week and I go right Wednesday I've nothing in I'm sitting on my couch and I actually will write sit on my couch for two hours while Aries in school yeah so I did that yesterday today I knew we were doing this and then like I'll only really plan up until Saturday and then I said you know in the new year I'll try bigger picture but now at the minute it's it's kind of week to week for me and how is the anxiety now um does it come in waves so had we recorded this last week I don't even know if I could have gotten through the conversation I just I it comes in waves I had a week last week where the only way I can say when I'm texting someone to cancel a plan or do something is like grief has taken over Mm -hmm. it is taken over and I can't leave my house I, I can't leave my house I it's like I go out into the world, I don't want to go out into the world, I don't want to, like, I don't have to deal with that problem, I don't want to have to be an adult, I don't have to be a mom sometimes, like, sometimes I'm like, oh my god, I, I so every goes to school nine till two, and I'm like, oh my god, today, two o'clock is too early, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't have it in me today to do this, and I think. Are you compassionate with yourself about that fact, do you think? No. Do you think that would help? Yeah. Yeah, no, I or think you feel like you should be achieving stuff, or yeah, I feel like I'm like you know my mom is a real workhorse and a real grafter, so I'm like I hear her voice, man, and I'm like she'd be kill me, she'd kill me, mm-hmm. she'd be like get off your arse, but she you also know, but she didn't have to lose you, no, you know, no, you had to lose her, and yeah, like you say, there was probably an element of avoidance as well there for her not wanting to confront things, and if you don't confront it, it now it'll consume you, so yeah you actually are probably making her more proud. It's really brave and really, even though it feels like we're falling apart, it's the strongest thing you could do is to let yourself fall apart and like have those days on the couch and sit with it because like that's like the hardest thing in life is like sitting with the feelings yeah. and allowing yourself feel it. And I, I can't imagine what that's like, but I can only imagine that it's really necessary and yeah um and then you know at the days like I threw myself into work this mm-hmm. year because it was the first year where I had a fully clear like I went fully self-employed so I had a diet an empty diary essentially mm-hmm. so I took on all the bridal work so the summer was insane but then what kept happening was maybe two or three weeks of madness came and then I couldn't function because I 
I I ignored all of the yeah. feelings. I ignored all the grief. I said, go, 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 drop her there. Go do the job there. And then it catches up, up with you. And it catches up. And I, I often say to everyone now in my life, because when I have to say no to like nights out or doing things, I have to explain even to my sister that exhaustion is a trigger for me. Mm. It, it is probably like, well, yeah, you know, for most people. Lowered, so you're, I mean, if you just look up at it from a biological perspective, it's like at night when you can't rationalize your thoughts because like your prefrontal cortex has essentially gone offline and it's, you're not, it's not there. It's not, you're not at oh the races. Right. It's not there able to say, no, let's calm this down. Let's be rational. So when you're tired all the time and you're burned out, um, you don't really stand much of a chance to be able to stand tall in the face of those overwhelming feelings. They just come over. And so being go, go, go might in the short term quell the feelings, but in the long term, you're making your your future harder probably by it's going to come crashing down on you and sometimes that's life you have to you have to be go 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 and sometimes you have to take the easy way out and if it makes your day easier to have a million things on you just you know take the path the least resistance but to understand then why it catches up with you and to give yourself that space then to let when it, it do does. its thing um and just i don't like i mean i certainly can't offer any advice on how to manage the anxiety with it but i think I think it would be it's would be helpful for listeners to know that it's a feature of grief and it doesn't mean they're going mad and it's um very normal to feel that level of fear after having had a loss about what the future will hold and almost just that sense of having to kind of figure out life again with your your frame of reference has been readjusted yeah yeah and that's not something you're ever prepared for no and I I do say to Scott um all the time like which and it's really sad when I think about it now but I do say to him sometimes like I miss our old life yeah like we're living but I I'm I really miss our old life and how things used to be like you know on a Wednesday we went around to my man's for dinner every Wednesday when we bought this house and Darcy still does that for us now and then like we're all sitting there and we're eating and we're like there's just that void though yeah you know so I just I I really do I I miss my own life but I I mean I do understand as well why my mom my mom made us very two very strong people and I do understand like I think life has this strange way of like you know did you make us that way because the universe or whatever spirit I don't know because I'm not sure what I believe in at the minute but you know did you did that happen because you you knew in some sense we were going to need to be strong because then in the other sense I'm like no like I refuse also for it to take complete hold like that woman who said I couldn't get off the floor for three years I think about that woman all the time I'm like no that will not be me I don't think Avery would ever let that happen to you anyway and I think that's probably one of the best things about being a parent is you know, you have to look at life through her eyes and pick yourself up off the floor. And as hard as it is sometimes to find that energy and find that, yeah. you know, patience sometimes. Yeah, patience. We know all about that. Yeah. She's uh, she's going to keep you rooted to the present moment. And as hard as it can be, I think that's going to be like a blessing. Yeah, it is. And I think having her, like, is like I'm like, you were definitely sent to me at the right time. Yeah. Um, because this would be a very different conversation. Yeah. I think if I didn't have Avery, um, but it's also so hard because when they do something new, 
as kids are ever evolving as we know they do something new and you're like oh my god that's brilliant that's gas I love that and then you're like fucking hell why yeah why are you not here why and then you know people say but she's there yeah but she's there fuck off I'm sorry (laughs) that's just I'm sorry that is my yeah full wholehearted honesty to that when people are like she's there with and I'm like don't get me wrong I know like you know her blood runs through my veins and she is there and I I've had this bird that's followed me around from the day she died and I really didn't think I believed in any of that but this bird has is outside my front door every single day and when I open my back door he's out the back or she's out the back and Avery when she was born my mom called her birdie so I'm like isn't that a funny coincidence yeah. like so I it's not that when people say she's there with you I'm not like no she's not but I'm like fuck off because in the moment I feel so sad that she's the only thing that will make me feel better is her being here so just in some senses just say nothing yeah. and give me a hug yeah because I think um people try to rationalize it yeah. And on like some people really try to they 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 want to have the best thing to say and it all comes from a good place. Um but nothing helps. But nothing helps. No. Yeah. So it's just I think that about exactly being felt, seen and heard I think is the best thing you can do for somebody. What advice would you have before we wrap up for someone who's in the position of grief right now dealing with the the panic attacks and the the fear of the the future? Well, obviously not an expert, but what I'm doing in myself and what is helping in in parts is I'm trying to explore things that will help me function in the long term. So as an example, I know now my better days are the days when I exercise. Mm-hmm. I can still come home and cry and feel all the feelings, but I, I'm a better partner. I'm a better mother. I'm a better griever yeah. <laughs> as such. I'm not as manic. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, because you can get really, grief can bring you to really crazy places in your mind. It's brought me to very dark places, you know, very dark places. So I've noticed like when I, on a Monday and a Tuesday to set me up for the week, I will not miss a walk or training. Mm-hmm. Um and exploring like yeah I suppose just finding those things and then now I know that like in my diary I need one day of the week where Avery's in school and I have five hours doing nothing yeah no laptop no phone non-negotiable and I give my I'm really trying now at the beginning of every week looking at my diary and I literally write in walk 10 a.m because our lives are so busy mm. but what happens is we make these to-do lists of all the the things we need to do in terms of like work and shop food shopping and you know and kids and all that but we don't actually well I don't put in like things that are just solely for me mm-hmm. but I literally write in at the beginning of the week on like okay so I'll walk and then I actually have the podcast and I'm going to listen to on that walk picked out the night before so it doesn't stop me in my tracks so I don't go, fuck it, I'm not going for a walk now. Yeah. I can't find a podcast. Like, I just, I suppose, like that that planning um, and then also like planning evenings where I have nothing so that if I do need to crumble, 
Like you letting yourself I do can it. let myself do it, you know. Um overpacking myself with work and making myself busy wasn't the answer for me. So um yeah, I think just like looking after yourself and I, I'm in agreement with you, like we said at the beginning, like fuck the word self care. Like I don't mean it like that. I mean like literally going like I'm being mad selfish here and I'm taking five hours out of a crazy week and I'm sitting and watching four episodes of Kardashians. Kardashians or <laughs> So I think it's not about racing to the point of not crumbling or or not I think not crumbling is not a sign that you're doing okay. It's about actually proactively carving out time in your day or week to give yourself that space to crumble so that you can then pick up the pieces, carry on, do the next thing you have to do the next day. Yeah. And short term planning. Because like people you have to work. Like I have I have to I don't have you know, some some people are very I suppose are lucky they've the time where they can just not go to work and they can yeah. sit around and they can you know, going back to just that example of that woman, like she could do that. I don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. So and if you're a person like me, I'm I think I'm quite like you in the sense of like you like a bit of organization and plan or that gives me anxiety mm-hmm. when I feel like I'm not productive. Yeah. So I'm like, I need to be productive, but I need to also have time to grieve. So yeah. you know, it doesn't doesn't always work out that way, but I'm I'm trying my best. This might be a hard question, you don't have to answer it, but well, I don't know if she heard me. I was I was with her when she was actually passing, um. And I just said how how amazing she did, like how proud I was of her because she fought. Oh my god! Like she fought so physically hard, and that I'm, I suppose I'm really sorry. <laughs> That I couldn't do more. <laughs> I'm I'm really sorry that I couldn't do more. Um and then just that I you know, obviously the obvious part of that I love her and I wish she could be here. But if she can't be here, I just hope she's really, really super proud of of me and Darcy and Avery and Scott. You know? Um and that I'm gonna I really, really am gonna try live my life to the lessons she taught me. You know, I want to be a version of her. Um She's your North Star now. She's my North Star now. Yeah. Robin, I I don't know where to or how to wrap this up and I just want to give you a big hug, but I feel like the laptop will fall off the floor <laughs> once I do that, so I'll wait till we finish. But watch me go to hair and bomb. <laughs> Thank you so much for um sharing this with me. I know it's not been easy and I really appreciate it. And um I think I've learned a lot about grief and if if not about I don't think you can know what it feels like to be in it, but at least hopefully someone listening could learn how to better support someone going through it, if nothing else. Yeah. And I hope that if someone is going through it, they feel seen and heard uh, by what you've shared and not alone and not crazy and that there's no time limit there's no perfect way to grieve there's no right or wrong way to feel um and it's really good to talk about it yeah and i think if you're afraid of losing her memory or anything the surest way to safeguard that is to keep talking about her yeah and telling her people about her telling stories about her keep her alive in in don't be afraid to open that wound of hurt by talking about her 
because uh, then she'll always stay there I think I agree but I completely agree I hope this has been okay for you yeah no free therapy <laughs> <laughs> I haven't sent you my invoice yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but uh, thank you thanks so much and I, I think what you're doing here is amazing because people are uncomfortable by it and you're allowing yourself to be uncomfortable for the sake of others learning so mm-hmm. you're awesome so are you Thank you for listening. I hope that you found this episode helpful or at the very least comforting. Um, you can follow Robin at Robin Burn Makeup on Instagram. She also has her own podcast called The Beauty of Truth, which is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I highly recommend it. It goes very much skin deep beyond the beauty um, and into the real stuff. So thank you again for listening and thanks to Robin for joining me. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.